favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Christian fiction author Trisha Goyer, who will reintroduce us to her Big Sky series. And I am so excited that you've joined us. Hello, Trisha. How are you today? Tracy, I am doing wonderful. Thanks for having me here today. You're very welcome. The last time we spoke, you were interviewing me. So this time I get to interview you. And, it is um, so fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. And we're going to talk about something really exciting, and that is your Big Sky series. And this is an old series that you're bringing back to life. And right now it has three books, one beside Still Waters, two along Wooden Pass, and three beyond Beyond Hope's Valley. And they were published quite a while ago, right? Yeah, they were published in, I think, 2011, 12, and 13. Okay. So a little bit ago. So you have to explain to our listeners why you are republishing them and what's going to happen to the series along the way. So go ahead and explain it to us. Well, it's a good reason because these books continue to sell. Um, they're the ones that are just the slow, slow sellers that keep going and going. And all the time, people want to know more about the characters. What happened to Mariana? What happened to Ben? They love the setting, which is West Kootenai, Montana. Um, we lived in Montana for 15 years, and there's an Amish community right at the Canadian border. And it's so different from, like, Pennsylvania or Indiana or Ohio or those communities. And so people love this little quaint community. So they kept wanting more books. It was like one of those things, oh, I'll get to it. And then Sunrise Publishing um, approached me. Susie May Warren is the, which is, she's a wonderful uh, Christian fiction author. And she's also um, the founder of Sunrise Publish- Publishing. And she came and said, would you be interested in expanding more in the story world? Um, and then we're going to do a contest where we're going to have people try out to write with you. And they're going to add books to your story world, to your series. And then we'd like you to write one also. And so it was a great opportunity for all those people who uh, wanted more. I thought they're going to love this. And so we had 26 people try out to write with me. We picked two of them. And we have been working on these books for the last year. We met almost a year ago, plotted the books in person. And over the last year, they've been working diligently. So we'll read a couple chapters at a time and give them input and talk about story and the characters and the story arc. And so the first set of three is almost ready. And then we're going to start again with three more books. And so it is so fun to take this story world that people love, the characters that people love, and then in the same way, be able to mentor authors that have not been previously published and help them launch their first books out into the world. That is just so amazing. We spoke for a few minutes before I hit the record button that I love to give back and how I love to mentor upcoming authors as well. And what an opportunity people have to be writing with Trisha Goyer. That is that is quite an accomplishment. So I have to ask the so you you're on the first three now the second three is it a completely different set of 
upcoming authors? Will you do the interview process all over again? No, they're going to be the the same two authors. Oh, okay. The same two authors. So um, hopefully it'll be easier (laughs) this time. And they were great. They were excellent. But there's just a lot that we put in. So, you know, we focus on the plot. And I'm like, okay, we need to tie in more emotion. And then I'll say, okay, we need to think about the spiritual arc of the story. Because I always have a very strong spiritual arc. I want my characters to grow in their relationship with God. And so we did a lot of layers. Um, going through and so I think this next time hopefully they'll be they'll you know better understand all that goes into a novel and I think you know you know as an author there's just so much layering that goes on characters and plot and setting and emotion and dialogue that um, sometimes it's hard to figure out so yep the same two authors we're going to be doing more books together their name will appear on the cover right yeah so it'll be um, Trisha Goyer Presents Kristen Anderson and Trisha Goyer presents Ellie Gilbert, presenting them to the world as new authors. Um, And so really, I mean, they did the majority of the writing. I would go in and, you know, add in things here and there, but they did the majority of the writing, but I'm just kind of coaching them along as they go. That is just awesome. And this is with, you said, Sunrise Press? Sunrise Publishing, yes. Publishing. Oh, how exciting. And they're doing that with other authors, too. So they have some that release with Rachel Houck. They've had some with Lisa Harris, um, Lynette Easton. And so it's fun to see all these different genres and these lead, they call them the lead authors, these lead authors, you know, presenting these new authors and helping them um, launch new books. I have never heard this being done before. Is is this Sunset? Is this something that they do exclusively or is this done throughout other publishing houses? Well, it's done more in the um, secular marketplace. And so I think James Patterson's done it. Different people have done it where they have co-authors come in and then they present them. And so this is, I think, the first time that I've ever seen it done in the Christian writing world. So it's pretty fun. So Susie Mae Warren and Sunrise, I mean, it's just this whole new thing that that is exciting to see. So for those listeners that have already read the Big Sky series, say this is the time that they need to reread those stories before the new volumes come up. So they're back and they understand the storyline. And we're going to talk about the storyline in a little bit. But wouldn't you say they would need to re- reread the series now? Oh, absolutely. And it's fun because I had to reread it. Cause I, <laughs> it's been I a while. Started, yeah, they, they were published in 12, you know, 11, 12 and 13. And I've written probably 30 or 40 books. I, <laughs> I haven't counted since then. And it, it was so fun because I would find myself tearing up or laughing at certain points. And I'm like, <laughs> I wrote this, but this is super fun. I was enjoying it. So I'm writing book four. Kristen's writing book five and Ellie's writing book six and book four takes place within a month of when book three ends and so really it's just continuing on with this story we kind of you know left people not really left them hanging we knew we knew the what characters were you know fell in love and were getting together but we're continuing the story and then adding in more side characters and giving them their own stories within the community oh well that is wonderful and we're going to talk a little more about this specific book one besides still waters here in a little bit but every time I interview one of my authors I love to dig into their writing career a little bit so before we talk about besides still waters let me ask you a few questions about your writing career now Trisha I know that you have written and you just said you've written 30 or more books now so you've been a writer for a long time and with being a writer you are a homeschool mom you run a a successful podcast Um, you are out there 
all over the place. So you have a lot of followers. Tell the listeners, how often do readers reach out to you and what kind of things do they say? Oh, it's so fun. So um, my first novel was published in 2003. So I've been doing this a long, long time. time and it's so fun. And I remember getting that first reader letter and that was a World War II historical novel that came out with Moody Publishing. And it was also reprinted in German right when it released. And it was World War II, which I thought this is amazing because it talks about bad Nazis and they're, <laughs> they're republishing this in German. But within a couple of weeks of that book's release, I got an email from a, a young woman in Switzerland. And she wrote in broken English, she had read the German version of it. And she said, when your character, my main character, got on her knees and accepted Christ, I did too. And that was the very first reader letter I ever received. And it was from overseas. And she had read a book in a language I couldn't even speak. And so I just like threw up my hands. I'm like, I'm done. Like if (laughs) if I never publish another book or nothing happens, like that was worth all the effort. And so a lot of people are drawn to the spiritual threads of my book. And a lot of the that centers around God has created you for a purpose. He has good plans for your life. You know, even though all these conflicts and hardships come, I've written about, you know, World War II. I've written Amish. I've written about the Titanic. I've written about, um, you know, Montana in 1894. I've written about um, contemporary books, all this, all different genres. But that spiritual thread is so common where I want people to know when they put down the book that there is hope, that God is there, that he has good plans for your life, and they've seen it in the characters' lives, and they, I want them to trust that for their lives, too. So a lot of the emails, messages, I have a P.O. box. Sometimes I get letters in the, the P.O. box. It, people will say, I have been walking away from God. I had one lady, and she still follows me on Facebook and comments on a lot of stuff. She had been walking away from God for decades and she said she read one of my novels and that reminded her of God's love and she started following him again so a lot of the letters I receive are based on that I've also written nonfiction, so I've written some parenting books and one of the books that I've also written is for teen girls called praying for your future husband and I wrote it with my dear dear friend Robin Jones Gunn who kind of mentored me when I first started writing and um we wrote that book for teen girls and that came out also, I think it was in 2013. It it came out a while ago and we still get, we just got an email from someone in Brazil who read the book and she's praying for her husband. We've gotten wedding invitations before. Um, And so it's so fun to know, you know, you know, as a writer, sometimes it's like, you don't feel like writing or you're tired or I'd rather be taking a nap now or, you know, all these things we feel like it, it is hard to write. It's sometimes hard to sit down and take the time. I have a house full of kids, but when we get those kind of letters and when we get those messages from people and know that we impacted them and made a difference, it makes every single minute of the writing worthwhile. It absolutely does. It's what keeps me get going. You know, there's lots of times through those final edits it's like oh will these ever stop (laughs) (laughs) but but getting emails and letters and hearing from people that we've touched their lives I have to believe that we are doing what God called us to do that God's giving us confirmation that we that we are on the path that he wanted us by and to don't stop don't stop just continue to write Thank you for sharing that. So how, you've written in a bunch of different genres. What is your favorite way to do research for the books that you're writing? My favorite way is if I can somehow 
talk to people who were there and connect with people who were there for besides the waters. And it's, I love sharing this story. I had been writing World War II and I was able, uh, when I was writing those World War II novels to interview a lot of World War II veterans. I ended up going to two different uh, World War II reunions for the 11th Armored Division and sitting across from dozens and dozens of veterans and hearing their stories. And um, I ended up talking to Holocaust survivors and just that face-to-face as much as I can get it is wonderful. And then I had a, actually an editor reach out to me and ask me if I'd be interested in writing Amish. And I thought, I, I don't know, this is so different than World War II. But then I remembered, I told her I'd pray about it. And I remembered that my daughter had played homeschool basketball with another young woman whose family had been Amish, their former Amish. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I kind of know this family. And they lived about an hour away. And the next day, Leslie, my daughter and I went out to coffee and Soretta walked in. We hadn't seen her in it probably over a year. And I'm like, okay, this is no coincidence. And I said, Soretta, you know, I would love to hear your family story um, about being Amish. I'm thinking about maybe writing. And she says, oh, here's their number. And so I went home and called them. His name is Aura J. Her name is Irene. And they said, oh, we're going to be in your town tomorrow. We'll stop by. So within like 24 hours of this editor asking me if I would be interested, I knew this couple and they were going to come over. And so they came over, um, they had dinner and we, you know, we were sitting there talking and their story that they poured out, which is the inspiration for Besides Still Waters, when they lived in Indiana, they had lost two daughters in a horse and buggy in a semi-accident. And they just shared the heartache of that. They had other children that survived that accident and just trying to love the other children while dealing with this heartache. And they ended up moving from Indiana to Montana for adventure, kind of to get away. And it was during their time there that they started building friendships and going to Bible studies and understanding God's love for them. As they told their story, I was just amazed. And they left that night. And as soon as we closed the door, John's like, you have to write their story. And so that's, that was how Besides Still Waters was birthed. I open it with that buggy accident and then follow. And, you know, the story, of course, is different than their personal story, but a lot of you know, that the loss and then moving from Indiana to Montana is inspired by their story. Just knowing that once I talk to them face to face and hearing their stories, it just is able to bring the book to life to me. And if there's a way that I can't do that, like the Titanic, I'm not able to interview someone from the Titanic, but I found as many journals and letters and kind of people's true stories as possible. So whenever I sit down to research, I kind of go there. I try to see who I could talk to if it's possible or if not to find the the real first person accounts in journals or letters or people sharing uh, what was really happening in their minds, and their hearts during these hard situations. That was perfect. That was perfect. Mm-hmm. And if, and if that wasn't a God thing, I don't know what else was. It was, but, it was such a God thing. And I ended up actually going on to write their true story, um, which is called plain faith. And so I was able to share, you know, exactly their story. And the the amazing thing is, this is another God thing. When I was interviewing Ora Jay and Irene, um, they said we should meet up in, in Indiana where, where they had lived with their children, where the accident had been. And we ended up going to Ora Jay's brother's house. He was a single brother and he had lived in the same home where his parents had lived. And as Ora Jay was talking about, he says, I have all the letters you wrote. And so as Ora Jay and Irene were in Montana, they wrote letters home 
to their families and all the letters that Ora J had written to his mom and Irene had written to Ora J's mom, they had saved and his brother knew where they were. And I had this huge bag of letters. And so here I am writing their personal stories and I have dates. I have exactly uh, what they were thinking because his mom had saved all those letters. And I'm like, and so actually real excerpts of their letters, of their time in Montana, of what's going on, the healing they were finding, the truth they were finding in God is in those letters. And I was able to put excerpts in the book. And so again, it was like, God's like, here you go. <laughs> this is a gift wow. to you. Oh my goodness. You have pretty much described besides still waters. I was going to ask you a bunch of questions about besides you can still keep waters. Going because there's more about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question about your career and then we'll, you've gotten me so excited about talking about besides still waters. We need to move forward. So I have to know did you always want to be a writer? Mm. Well, I never even, it didn't even cross my mind growing up. Um, growing up, I was, I grew up in a non-reading home. I don't remember ever my mom reading, my stepdad reading. The, the TV was on all the time. It's either sports or HBO. <laughs> like that is kind of the home I grew up, but grew up in. But then when we were in the, I was in the fifth grade, we moved near a library. There's probably like a mile away. And I remember going in there and, and suddenly my world opened up and I fell in love with all the little house books and biographies of Helen Keller and the Nancy Drew mysteries. And I remember just riding home with, you know, bags and bags of books on my handlebars. And uh, that, that changed my life, like moving near that library, but I never thought about being an author. And then I was a young mom in the church nursery. I was about 20 years old at the time and in there with my little baby and another young mom was in there with her little baby. And we were just sitting there in the rocking chairs, you know, watching the kids play, talking in the church nursery. And she said that she was working on a novel. And when she said that, like something exploded in my heart, it was like suddenly her saying that was like, first of all, a real person is doing this. And then I want to do that too. And so I, just said, oh, I would love to know about being an author. And so she lent me some books on writing. And this was back in, I think, 1991. Like, this is a long time ago, long time ago. Um, And she lent me some books on writing. And here I was, you know, we lived in a tiny apartment. My husband was in college. We had a baby. And I would read these books about becoming an author. And, uh, you know, I had the, I had a typewriting computer it wasn't even like a full computer thing and I would work on stuff and it's just so amazing now that God saw that early desire and her and I went a couple of years later to our first writers conference and now she's a multi-published author too um, it was just like her just just telling me her dream just sparked that dream within me oh, you have a wonderful story Trisha you just have a wonderful story God has done a lot for sure. (laughs) No, he has. He has. Okay, let's talk about the Big Sky series, starting with Besides Still Waters. But before I ask you some specific questions about book one, I'm going to go ahead and read the back matter just to set the stage, okay? Okay. All right. This is Trisha Goyer's Big Sky series, starting with book one, Beside Still Waters. What happens when life shakes your foundation? What if your foundation isn't the foundation that God really wants you to have? Besides Still Waters is an Amish fiction novel by best-selling author Trisha Goyer that captures the struggle between dreams and the reality of life. 
Raised among the Amish of Indiana, 18-year-old Mariana Summer plans to get baptized into the church, marry Aaron Zook, and set up life in the only community she has ever known. But when her older brother chooses the world's path following his rumspringer, and a younger siblings begin showing interest in the English ways, Mariana's parents move the family to Montana. Although she is also in her rumspringa years and not obligated to move, Mariana makes the journey to dutifully help her mother who is expecting another child. Surprisingly, from strangers on the cross-country train ride to the less rigid stance of the new Montana community, many English influences awaken within Mary Anna and even her father the desire to pursue a deeper kind of joy and love for God. After an accidental death, Marianna tells her friend Ben a defining story about the Summer family, and his response further illuminates the active relationship God seeks with his followers. In due time, she learns the move from Indiana was not about losing anything, but finding out who God really is. Despite all the shakeups, Marianna feels a sweet peace like still waters in her soul. I can tell just by that back matter information that I read and the information you gave us about how this story became, it is a tearjerker and a, or a journey into finding God, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the books continue um, with the, you know, the romantic relationship, you know, what guy will she choose type of thing. But it really is that relationship with God that she discovers, you know, she is loved and um, God has good plans for her. And even though her family has faced pain, they can find joy again. I was going to ask you what the inspiration for the story is, but you already answered that question. It was by meeting your friends that yes, um, this inspiration came and you told us a great deal about the story. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, the fun thing is the setting of it. And I mentioned a little bit about the setting. Um, so most Amish are live in large communities. There's a lot of farming and, you know, we think of barn raising and, you know, all these community events that they do. Well, in Northwest Montana, things are very different and it's a real Amish community up there. Um, and actually one of my good friends that also helped me with research, she grew up in that community. She was not Amish, but she grew up right along with the Amish. And so this is in Northwest Montana, high in the Rocky Mountains. It takes about an hour drive as you're going up windy roads and across bridges and to get up in this community and it's right at the Canadian border and so the Amish there are woodworkers and they often will be hunting and fishing guides um, they have to do a lot of different things other than farming there's no real farming some there is some ranching there might be some cattle ranching up there in the mountains but it's a completely different thing. So in the winter up in the Rocky Mountains, there's a lot of snow. So they'll often put sled, um, the sled feet on their buggies. And so it's so oh. fun to kind of dig into this community and get to know them. And I was able, because of my friend Martha, who grew up in that community, she was able to take me into Amish homes. And I was able to talk to um many women who have lived there and it was so fun because they're log homes they're not like you picture in in indiana these big you know white homes with the big barns they live in a little log home and they have a, a log stable for their horses and so it's such a fun and different community 
um, than I think you see in most typical Amish novels. And also because there's only a couple dozen Amish families um, and a lot of their neighbors are not Amish. There's a lot more connection with what they call the English, the people in the community, because they need help. You know, they might need help to help plow a road or to get rides to town, which the biggest town is about 45 minutes uh, by car. They'll need to hire a driver to take them down. And so there's a lot more opportunities. So there's a lot of the rigid walls that Amish often put around themselves. Um, they can't there because they need help. They often have uh, phones in their either their sheds or their garages because, you know, if you are stuck in the snow and you need something, you need to be able to call for help. And so it kind of is a little bit looser up there, um, and, but it's a it's an awesome, fun community. And, and during the summer, they get tons of visitors because everyone wants to come to Montana and explore. Didn't you live out that way or something? Yes, we lived in Montana for 15 years. And so this community was about an hour from where we used to live. Um, and so we lived, I mean, I lived in a town like a subdivision. It's still Montana. It's still the Rocky Mountains. But, you know, I was able to run to Costco, which was five minutes away. And the community that they're in is very secluded. It's very, you know, it takes a while to get to. But like I said, they get a lot of summer tourists because a lot of people like to go up and they like to um, you know just tour the area also one other fun fact is they get a lot of Amish bachelors Um, (laughs) and so every year bachelors from all over the U.S. Amish bachelors want to be able to hunt and so you have to live there for six months to get your resident hunting license so they go up in the spring so that they can be residents for six months and then they're up there exploring all the mountains and then they're hunting in the winter so really it's also a a fun place for Amish bachelors to go. And I have another series that's the spinoff from this series that is um, Seven Brides for Seven Bachelors. And only three of, three books are written so far for that. But I know I need to work on the other four of those two. <laughs> but it's about it's about girls and the bachelors that come into the community, which is so fun because they come from all over the U.S. just so they could hunt in the fall. How interesting. I can see that storyline just exploding. So I, yes. I know I'm sure that's on your to do list. I'm sure it is. It is. There's always I mean, <laughs> I just had someone I was at dinner at a friend's house the other night and they said, where do you get your ideas? And I'm like, everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, you probably have a list, too, of the next 20 books I want to write. I so. do. I do. It is so fun. And yeah, each of those bachelors has a story. I mean, it's just so fun to be able to when you start building these these, you know, my story world's based on a, a real place, and there's just all the ideas of what can happen. So, how about you go ahead and find some place in besides still waters, either the first page or a pivotal scene that you can read to us? Okay, I think I'm going to start with the beginning because that's kind of the the prologue is the how the whole thing launches. So, I'm going to start with the prologue, which is this point of view is from Abe Sun. Uh, Abe Summer. So the whole series, the main point of view is Marianna Summer. And this is actually her father's point of view on the night that she was born. All right. The floor is yours. Okay. The memory of laughter mixed with the sound of the horse's hooves on the asphalt lulled him into a half sleep. They still had 30 minutes until they reached home. Thankfully, the horse knew the way. His wife nestled at his side with their son Levi, three years old, on her lap. Well, as much on her lap as the little one could fit. Their next son or daughter would be joining the family in a matter of months. 
and the thought of it brought a smile to his face. He'd always wanted a big family, a good wife, a small piece of land to call his own. Yes, for a time he considered not joining the church, but it was the thought of family and nights like this that had helped him decide to join. He cracked his eyes open, gazing up at the stars with a heart of thankfulness and checking the road ahead. Only one part of the ride home required he stay awake. It was a stretch of highway that split their country road in two. Sometimes, especially during the daytime, he had to wait minutes and minutes to cross because the traffic flowed so fast and heavy. Yet on nights like this, he didn't expect a problem. He glanced at the highway ahead, almost there. Once across, he could close his eyes and let the horse finish the trek. His wife's breathing fell soft beside him, as did the sweet breasts of his two girls. They lay on the black platform of the buggy, snuggled in heavy blankets like a warm cocoon. Many of his friends had wished for sons first to carry on the family name and to help with chores, but he was overjoyed with his daughters. His love for them grew by the day, expanding from the moment he first held Marilyn's tiny hand in his, expanding when he brushed Joanna's blonde curls, or showed them how to make a necklace of dandelions. They were six and four years old now, impossible to believe. It seemed yesterday his eldest was born, and now two others followed, soon to be four. He glanced at his wife's hard, round stomach. His own stomach felt full of too much ice cream, and the buggy's gentle sway lulled him once more. The snores of his daughters brought a smile, and he looked to the stop sign up ahead, a gray shadow under the night sky. He leaned over to rest his head on the back of the seat. His eyes fluttered closed. It was the blare of the horn that startled him first, loud, deep, close. The horn of a big truck, then bright white light, headlights, the jolting of the horse, an overwhelming screech of brakes. A terrified child's cry pierced the air. The semi-truck hit the back wheels. The buggy crumbled into pieces. His body propelled forward. Pain filled him. Fear stabbed him. My wife, my children. He heard his son's cries, listened to his wife's moans. The baby. He slammed against the hard, jagged gravel with bone-crushing force, but adrenaline pushed him up from the ground. Standing, his eyes darted from side to side as he tried to make sense of what had happened. The sight of the truck shuddering to a stop filled his vision. The scent of burning rubber from the truck's tires overpowered him. Up ahead, the horse raced down the road. The buggy lay around him in pieces. Staggering toward his wife's cries and the cries of his son, he sunk onto the ground next to them and embraced them, thankful they were safe. His whole body trembled. He looked back over his shoulders to his daughters. His daughters. Oh, my goodness. And that's how that ends. (laughs) Oh, well, you really drew us into that story and I think it had to do with knowing that that really happened that Mm -hmm. you're pretty much telling somebody's real life story so I will be visiting Amazon this afternoon (laughs) 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 to pick up to pick up these um, three books so that I can get a good feel for them before the new ones release so thank you so much for sharing that with us so tell our listeners what is next for Tricia what are you working on right now well, I'm finishing up those three, these three for sunrise. And then I also just finished earlier in the year a, um, a princess novel for white crowned publishing. And it's a, it's a split time. So it has a contemporary story and then a story from World War II kind of tying together. And there's a, a princess theme. I won't give it away now, but there's a princess theme that ties the stories together. So, um, I finished that and then 
next after the one I'm currently writing for Sunrise, I'm writing a biblical fiction on Esther. And Ooh. so I've done a biblical fiction on Miriam. And before I, I always told myself, I don't want to write biblical fiction. I don't want to get anything wrong. You know, this is, this is the Bible we're talking about. But after doing Miriam, it was for guideposts. I was in the word so much. I learned so much about the, you know, what the Bible says and what's happening in time and history and the, just the amazing things that showed God's power even more. Um, as I wrote that book. So I'm like, I'm going to do it again. And so I'm going to be writing Esther as soon as I uh, wrap up this one for Sunrise. And so, again, it's all over the board, <laughs> you know, contemporary split time, uh, these Amish novels I'm working on, and then biblical fiction. But what I love with all of them is just being able to dig in, you know, just pull out those nuggets, those true nuggets from history and to weave those into the books. And so I think no matter what genre I write, that's kind of what I love is bringing out that true history. Thank you so much. So what would you like to share with your readers or what do you want to say to your readers today? Yeah, what I just love is just how faithful the readers are, and especially the readers of my Amish fiction. It, it is so fun to see that they do care and that they want to, you know, keep hearing about these characters in the story world. So I just wanted to, you know, give my thanks and share my appreciation for all those who fall in love with my characters as much as I do. It means a lot. This brings us to the point in our interview where I love to do a little speed round that means Absolutely nothing has nothing to do with your books, but it gives us a, a little bit of an insight on what makes Trisha's world go around. Sure. So are you ready? Okay. Yes. First question. Would you rather go skiing or swimming? Swimming. Where was the last place you and your husband went on a date? We went out to dinner, and I don't remember where we went, <laughs> here in Little Rock where I live. Okay. And the last big question, what's for supper tonight? That is a good question. I have no idea. We had chicken chili last night, but I haven't even gave it two seconds of thought. Uh, probably some type of pasta. My kids love pasta. There we go. Well, we, we record, just so people know, we recorded this in the morning. So supper is long, it's, a thought long away. It's long away. The kids will probably ask me uh, within an hour because I always do what's for dinner. So now I will tell them we're having spaghetti. Oh, there we go. There we go. Well, Trisha, I want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. And I will get you back on when book four launches so that we can um, hear more about the Big Sky series. And for all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of the first book of the Big Sky series, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com or you can go to the buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. 